Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Nintendo Watcher Podcast. I'm Justin, joined as always by my co-host, Matthew. Matthew, what's up, man? Yo, how's it going, Justin? Good to be back. Good to be back. So at the time of recording, the Pokemon Presents is about five or six days old at this point. Mm-hmm. And we, we were going to talk about that and have an entire podcast just about the Pokemon Presents. Turned out to be a little bit of a sleeper. So yep. we wanted to take this opportunity to spin that and just talk about the future of Pokemon in general and what the Pokemon Presents tells us about where Game Freak is going with, and the Pokemon Company, where they're going with this franchise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing, you know, this is a topic that we've talked about a lot on the pod, kind of like where we think a lot of these franchises and Nintendo are going. You know, we've talked about Pokemon specifically with our, you know, Violet Scarlet episode. But um, I think now this is going to be more of a, you know, based off of what we've seen coming out of this direct, how does it help us to understand where their focus is and what we, um, you know, see as positive or negative signs for the future of game freaks beloved franchise so you know to say that like you said this is a a sleeper of a um of a a pokemon direct no uh, pun intended both yeah well slightly intended because it both literally uh you know was the announcement of pokemon sleep was really the biggest (laughs) takeaway i think of the entire uh direct which is not the most exciting thing you know, I don't really want to give my biometric data to Game Freak and Nintendo, but, you know, I probably will. But, you know, other than that, it was relatively light on major announcements. I think you and I were talking about this just a little bit before the record. You know, going back with maybe the exception of 2020, which was a weird year in general, um, there's been kind of a mainline big picture game announcement or remake uh, at each of these for like the last five or six years. Uh, Well, even 2020 was a mystery dungeon DX. That was announced for that one. You know, a a smaller spinoff, but still a pretty beloved spinoff, especially in Japan. I know they're big on the mystery dungeon series out there. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, a a notable release. This we're getting Pokemon sleep was kind of like the big one. Yeah. And that's about it other than small, you know, DLC projects and things like that. So we're going to talk about, you know, what does that say and why is that, uh, you know, good or bad sign going forward. But two other small announcements just to kind of get those out, do our little wrap up of the the direct. We also got the mention of, um, and I kind of wanted your thoughts on this because I never got into the Pokemon card game. So I guess before we get into this and talk about what it is, did you ever play the card game? Is this anything from your childhood? I collected the cards, but I didn't play the game. Okay. So I never got into collecting the cards. I never played the games. It was just, you know, it was, it was the, you know, the, the games themselves, you know, the handheld games for me, sure. not the the card game. But I saw this poke. They announced the Pokemon trading card game classic, which appears to be like a box set of gen one Pokemon cards um, yeah. designed to play as a standalone, right? Premium package for people that are maybe nostalgic for those gen one Pokemon cards who want um, some car- you know, slightly hard to get cards reprinted and available to use nowadays. Or, you know, in my case, this just seems like a really cool collector's object something fun to have on the shelf and um, as someone who missed the card game a nice like maybe entry point into checking it out seeing what it was all about and what it still is about because I, I do know that there is 
a huge, you know, beyond the ridiculously inflated collectors, you know, racket going on right now. There are people that are very passionate about the card game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thoughts on this. Did you think this was a pretty cool announcement? Were you interested in this at all? Is it something that you'll maybe pick up? Yeah, you know, it's it's something that I totally forgot about until you just mentioned it again because everything else was it just kind of overshadowed it. But I still have mm-hmm. one of my like OG Pokemon cards. I, I, this is the only one I have from back oh, in the day. Yeah. And I don't know, it's it's kind of a keepsake for me, I guess. I'm I'm never going to play it in the game or anything. So I think you're for, right. For like, people who aren't watching this on YouTube, uh, what was the card that you just held up? Oh, it was it was a squirtle a uh a, like a first print of of a squirtle yeah yeah it's that's figures. a good uh, call out um yeah so it figures right that's that's squirtle's my go-to but anyway i think for most people you're absolutely right this is going to be just something cool to have to keep on the shelf it looked like even it, it, the pack came with some holographic cards so yeah i'm wondering yeah, it looks super premium yeah, it looks really cool. I'm I'm probably going to get it just to have those cards again. I think it would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my cards got destroyed in a, a fire when I was growing up. So Oof. anyway, it, it'd be awesome to have those again, even though I have no intention of playing the the trading card game at yeah. all. And and yeah. you, I know you're you're probably super into this. Uh, yeah, I, so I like board games a lot. I love playing, you know, tabletop games, board games and the like. And this to me feels you know uh, like the perfect entry point like i said while also being kind of like a, a collector's piece that has more of a board game feel you know it had like a, a play field on it it had some tokens that you use for tracking i'm assuming you know uh, resources and stuff like that which i'm totally into and it just looks nice it's just a cool looking piece of kit uh, so you know th- that was a cool announcement but again it was just kind of like a, okay here if you're into the cards game card games if you're a collector of our products you, you know this might interest you cool yeah not much staying power there though like you said hadn't even thought about it until i brought it up here um the other one that you know other big announcement that i think maybe some people are a little more hyped on myself included is uh, the new netflix show yeah. partnership that they're doing pokemon concierge which appears to be a claymation pokemon hotel series what is it like when the pokemon go on vacation they end up at this resort yeah or they run the resort i can't tell i don't know exactly what the i don't know there was it it was it was a light on you know info i don't know if this is if this comes from something in the pokemon universe that i'm not aware of or familiar with you know, my fandom is is relatively light compared to a lot of other Pokemon fans, so I can't I can't say that I'm missing something here. But it looked cool. I'm gonna check yeah. it out. I'm gonna Dude, watch the hell out of it. The claymation looked awesome, just yeah. unbelievable. Uh, surely it's not actual claymation. They've just found a way to animate it to to look like that. I don't know. Maybe. Do, do you think it's real? Maybe it's real. I mean, it's it says they're using stop motion. It says it's a stop motion production. Oh, so I missed it, that. It, it, sh- it should be actual. I think it's actual stop motion, um, which oh is God. really cool. I love stop motion. I think it's a fun aesthetic. You know, it's expensive and time consuming, and they've Extremely probably worked on this for a long time. Um, but that's cool. That means that they've got some. You know, they've got some fun stuff out there for you know uh, their fans. Pokemon always does this, right? They've always got their you know their irons in a lot of different fires. Um, they're you know really keeping active. Uh, across media which is cool other than that it was pokemon unite pokemon cafe remix two mobile games um, a lot of 
um, Pokemon Go related stuff with the new peripheral, which is like a, a clicker that lets you, you know, catch and and spin Pokestops at Pokemon Go, but is now also tied into the new big announcement, right? If we if we had to say that they announced a new game, it's Pokemon Sleep, which from what I can tell is just a sleep tracker app that is uh, Pokemon themed. Yeah, and so I remember them talking about Pokemon Sleep a while back, like ages several ago. years ages ago, right? ago. And I thought they just forgotten about it. It was it was just yeah. going to be quietly, um, you know, left in like t- 2019 or whatever year that was. In the way with the uh, the heartbeat tracker, the heartbeat monitor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nintendo's heartbeat monitor. <laughs> but back at it, and I mean, if they can, you know, gamify walking around, I guess they can do it with sleeping as well. I mean, they also have one yeah. about like brushing your teeth too, don't they? I don't know. Maybe you could, I think they you, do. If you told me that, I would just say, "Yeah, that sounds right." I think they do. Yeah, I think like I look. I think sleep tracking apps are probably good for a lot of people. I think that they're helpful and useful. I think tying it to Pokemon is great. Uh, encouraging people to get better bed, you know, bedtime routines is important. Uh, mine's terrible, and I could definitely do with more hours in in the night. Um, so you know, maybe this will be the thing that helps me sleep better. I like the idea of gamifying, you know, stuff I should be doing in my life. Uh, it helps me, you know, keep things, you yeah, know, get that in, little in bit of dopamine place, hit but... for, for normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, this was a DLC heavy. Like I said, this was a DLC heavy direct. Uh, we got Pokemon Scarlet and Violet updates. We've got some new um, some new legendaries coming uh, yep. to the to the game. So part uh, well, one, like Paradox Pokemon. Sorry, new 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 Paradox Pokemon. Before the the DLCs, we got Paradox Pokemon coming. Right? Yeah. There is um, uh, what is it? Walking Wake is the Scarlet Pokemon, which appears to be some kind of uh, uh, shining bull dragon Pokemon. I'm not sure. You know. Again, my knowledge is less than than many, so I, I can't remember the the Pokemon that this is originally. Um, and then there's the Iron Leaves Pokemon, which is a, a deer like Pokemon. Um, these are going to be in the Paradox Zone. Um, just a small update, great, cool. And I guess there's going to be also a tie-in with Pokemon Go and some Pokemon Home support coming. Uh, a little bit later so like, yeah. like small updates right little kind of nothings really um breadcrumbs except you know there was one more major announcement which was yeah the the huge dlc yeah. right so part one uh the teal mask where you go outside of the region you're in and it's like yeah. taking a field trip um so that's pretty cool it's coming in the fall we've got three new pokemon I think they're called Okie Doggy, Monkey Dory, and Pheasant of Pity. I don't know. It, these names, man. Like I, I am horrible with these Pokemon names these days. So that's the first section. This is like reminiscent of what they did with Sword and Shield, where they Sword had a Shield, yeah. smaller the DLC. Tundra, Frozen then, Tundra, whatever it was called. Yeah, the, the Crown Tundra and can't remember the other one so then later we're having the bigger dlc part two the indigo disc where you visit the blueberry academy which is yeah so like a, a school foreign exchange program basically right yep and apparently its curriculum emphasizes pokemon battling which yeah great okay um and that one's coming winter 2023 and 
winter 2023 could basically mean anywhere from what this november december of this year through february of 2024 yeah if we're working on fiscal years right we're we're really into 2024 with that which is interesting um but you know those are some some pretty vague dates pretty far off but i mean that kind of brings me to the big sort of thrust of this conversation which is you know these dlcs look really nice I don't know how many of you played, you know, the DLCs to Sword and Shield, but they really expanded that game in a lot of fascinating ways and, and made the experience way more enjoyable than the base game. Sword and Shield had its problems, you know. I was a fan of them, but though I did uh, take issue with some of the, you know, changes and, um, you know, again, the the you know, they didn't perform well just like Scarlet and Violet is plagued with a lot of performance issues. Sword and Shield had their issues, especially with the online and the you know the uh, wild zones and stuff like that. But the DLCs, I think, were largely considered kind of uh, successes, right? Um, yeah, they, they did a lot of really cool stuff. Um, it looks to me like Scarlet and Violet is hoping that these DLCs will do the same for Scarlet and Violet, that we're going to see um, renewed interest, right? Hopefully by then, you know, some patches come through. The game is in a more stable place. It plays, but it's already playing a little better than it's played um, before, but still a long way to go. And these DLCs look meaty. They look like they're like th- thoughtful, interesting, well-fleshed-out additions. Uh, you know, again... We're getting two new zones, essentially, right? We've been mm-hmm. sort of guaranteed two new zones to explore in these DLCs because in the first one, right, the, um, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the the name of the first part, but uh, the Teal Mask, right? We're heading to yeah. uh, the land of Kitakami, which is a more Eastern themed uh, region um, where we'll be going to, it looks like a festival, right? We'll be doing some sort of, some sort of festival um, adventure a uh, whole new island is presumably right different region of the world which means new pokemon new experiences new people all of that which is cool um and then with the um, indigo discs like i said they they really framed it as like a student exchange like you'll be going overseas or uh, at least abroad um to experience a new world so that's well, kind of cool well, right it's new funny you mentioned that it's actually under the ocean is that what is that what it says yeah most of the school is under the ocean Interesting, interesting. And it has something to do with Area Zero, right? Like this whole DLC pack is going to dive more into Area Zero and what's going on with all of that, right? So we're going to get a lot more probably with like the Paradox Pokemon and those kinds of things as well, which will be cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see um, where this all goes. It's interesting to me that Pokemon has sort of given up on doing that uh, that third like definitive edition of yeah. the game like they used to. Yeah. And I think this is, to me, like the biggest positive of the switch generation of Pokemon games is we aren't doing the repack, right? We're doing big, mm-hmm. meaty, expansive DLCs and patching, right? Like we're, we're doing patches. We're allowing you to, you know, collect the Pokemon from the game that you don't own, right? Through right. online play, through multiplayer, through, you know, trading and all of that. You can still get the full Pokedex. You can still experience the whole game. We're not going to throw in a third version with you know added Pokemon. We're just going to keep giving you more Pokemon, right? We're just going to throw a few extra legendaries in, a few new Pokemon in the DLCs, um, and they, like these DLCs are essentially those 
repacks because i think a lot yeah. of people end up playing the game again right you know the dlcs come out you play the game one more time to get back in the swing of things you know explored a little bit more finished you know filling out your pokedex whatever then you dive into these real hefty dlcs which again if sword and shield is anything to go off of they're not full game size but they're good lengthy yeah. experience they're worth the money i think at yeah. least the sword and shield ones i think on the sword and shield ones i think i spent like 10 or 15 hours on each one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't remember yeah. i don't remember them distinctly um maybe the crown tundra i remember a little better but they were they were meaty i agree with you though i, I really think this is a better approach than packaging a third game with the same content like we're really getting a lot more here uh, the new expansion is going to add 230 of the older pokemon too so it seems like they're starting to gate some of that um in a way mm-hmm. that may or may not be cool you know it'd be awesome if you just could bring the Pokemon with you once you're connected to bank. Um, But it looks like they're going to start putting the older Pokemon behind a gate. You know, once you finish the game, then you have to buy this extra DLC to be able to, you know, use those older Pokemon. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. At least they're in there. You you know, that's a a positive thing for me. But Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's awesome that we're not just sitting in the same area. You know, that they yeah. are breaking it out and giving us a whole new place to explore because, I mean, the mm-hmm. best thing about Scarlet and Violet was the exploration. I mean, for me, it, yeah. was, it was definitely the exploration. And if we have more zones to explore, I'm into that. Mm-hmm. And I think one one benefit about this DLC approach is, you know, we already talked about this when we reviewed Scarlet and Violet. The Pokemon Company for at least the switch generation has seemed to be in sort of like an iterative rut where they they're you know small starts and uh, several steps back right like we get a couple of really interesting additions and then some stuff gets kind of scaled back and and um, you know goes in the wrong direction or we have issues with you know quality control or whatever you want to call it where there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens and then a lot of stuff that you know doesn't make the the move like when we had Arceus mm-hmm. right we complained about the fact that well why can't we just you know throw pokeballs at wild pokemon anymore and just catch them like that was right. the best feature in Arceus why why take it away from Scarlet and Violet right and but i think that these DLCs are the opportunity for them to refine these systems right figure out what people wanted you know, in Scarlet and Violet base game, what they wanted more of, less of to be added to it. And I'm hoping that we're going to see um, attempts to add features in addition to just, right, new Pokemon and new regions. I'm hoping we're going to see some additional features in Scarlet and Violet that they'll be testing out for whatever comes next, right? Whatever the next yeah. mainline game is. This is a really good place for them to play around. And I think there- that the Sword and Shield, they definitely played around quite a bit, right? They That's what I was added in old features they brought in stuff that was missing um expanded the experience and played around with new systems to kind of fine-tune it which yeah you can complain about the fact that it's kind of nickel and diming you with dlc to to get stuff that should have been in the base game but with the way that this whole thing works i mean i mean thoughts what do you some of it i think should be in the base game like like getting access to your older pokemon that you already have in bank i think that should just be something you get without buying the expansion but to your point about adding new features I don't know. Like, I think that's legitimate. You're getting a, a new experience. You're paying 20 or 30 bucks or whatever for it. And you're getting a totally new experience. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to Sword and Shield, some of the big features were, you know, the, the whole the whole new area was a, a wild area. And that was yeah. the best thing about Sword and Shield. So, yeah, give me much mm-hmm. more of that. The other thing that sticks out in my mind is suddenly you had Pokemon that could follow you. 
right? Right. And that's just a throwback to some of the the much older games and you know, a small thing that I think the the community has just really wanted. You know, we've we've yeah. wanted to be able to see the Pokemon, have the Pokemon animated, um, running behind us mm-hmm. for a long time. And I think they really did that with care in Sword and Shield. Like I remember the the Raichu, not the standard Raichu, but the uh regional variant. I can't remember which region mm-hmm. the region was from. But uh, he's on like the surfboard, and uh, when you Alolan, were a Lolan Raichu, I think. Yes, yeah, you're right. And when you're in the water with him, he's riding his tail like a surfboard in the yeah, water behind it. Cool. You know, it's just like they had to do that with every single Pokemon to get every animation right across. I don't know, like 500 Pokemon in that game or something. So it's yeah. it's a lot of work. I think you're getting your money's worth out of it, even though it's this small sort of, I don't know, just a small feature. But it, it's a feature that really makes you feel like. Uh, you're more a part of the world and you're more connected with the Pokemon that you, you know, you have with you. I don't know. I don't mind paying extra for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, to me again, I think this is a positive. I think the fact that we didn't get an Arceus two, we didn't get a third version of Scarlet Violet with a different color. We didn't get an announcement or preview of whatever the next mainline game is going to be is a good thing. I think Pokemon company needs to slow game freak and Pokemon company need to slow down, right? Think about what's working and what's not and take a little bit more time between the next major entry and this one. I think we've had too many games in too short a span with the switch Pokemon's been spreading itself thin with all of its mobile games and spinoffs and, you know, uh, mainline entries. And it's starting to get to the point where, you know, again, Scarlet and Violet sold gangbusters. It's going to continue to sell really well. People were very excited about it. Even people that reviewed it poorly still enjoyed the experience. Um, So clearly there's not a huge incentive, right, monetarily or, you know, from a, you know, reputational standpoint. Sure. To, to make many changes because you know again pokemon fans are going to complain no matter what that's just kind of the reality of the situation so we're always there's gonna not complain a, we're always going to buy it it that's the thing and so there's not a huge incentive for them to do things differently but it's a good sign that they didn't come out in 23 and say all right now get ready for arceus 2 right? yeah okay we're not ready for that let's, let's slow it down let's figure out what's you know how we can take what worked really well in Arceus and Scarlet and Violet and come up with something new. In the meantime, here's some DLC to keep you invested, uh, you know, in, in the interim. Speaking um, about so, timing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, say, uh, speaking of timing though, what do you think about like that? Um, maybe like a nine month, um, the first DLC and then maybe a year later, the second DLC. We talked about this with Xenoblade too. Is that mm-hmm. too long? Is it too short? Are you already out of these games and are you going to have a hard time getting back into them towards the end of the year? To me, I think with games like Pokemon, um, they're they're sort of more evergreen games for a lot of players. Um, I think it works well in this instance because, again, most people are not playing Pokemon for the story. I don't know right. very many people who are, you know, high on Pokemon stories and swear up and down that that's the reason they play these games. So a game like this where the, you know, enjoyment comes from uh, competitive battling, breeding and filling out a Pokedex, um, doing gym battles, right? Uh, Elite mm-hmm. Four challenges, et cetera, et cetera. You can throw those in at any time. People are going to jump back in and check them out, right? I mean, I still, you know, I, I put 
Scarlet and Violet down after doing all the post game and completing, you know, the the Charizard raid, right? The tier five or just was it tier eight, tier seven? I don't remember, yeah, but the remember. the the big raid, right? The for for Charizard back when when that came out, and then I still will pop in every now and then to do one of those, you know, big weekend raids, right? For the 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 high tier, you know, Pokemon, the new pokemon that they're bringing in um mm-hmm. you know even though those those battles the raid battles are kind of a nightmare right um and were one of the big things they had to patch up recently um i still jump in to do those because what i'm playing pokemon for is just to collect pokemon right so if you yeah. keep giving me new pokemon give me a new place to explore uh, and gather those pokemon i'm gonna check it out right uh, you know i might not again stick around for 40 50 hours but that's not what you're asking me to do right you're asking me to get back into point. pokemon to be back in the conversation of pokemon right so that when you then announce whatever the next sequel is or the arceus you'll follow up i'm i'm you know it's it's been fresh in my mind pokemon's still a part of it i think it's a smart move for um nintendo because again with nintendo in particular i think the late dlc works because they have so many core like series that have their fans, right? Mm-hmm. I think about just today, right? Um, at, at, you know, when we're recording this, um, Zero Mission, right? Oh, right. It was yep. just announced for the Game Boy Advance on the Switch. We just got Metroid Prime Remastered. We didn't hear anything about Metroid at the most recent Direct. And then today they're like, okay, by the way, Zero Mission's like right around the corner in a couple days, so be ready for that, right? Now, the entire metroid one through dread right story-wise if we're talking just like story-wise yeah, yeah, story is wise. on switch right one through dread story-wise on switch playable in emulation or you know through through cartridge if it's dread and stuff like that which is amazing right which is great hype for something like metroid prime 4 these games are old they're out you know past most people by most people aren't going to jump back in and play it but for the people that are interested in those series those little timely drops are going to get the people that they want to get they're targeted right the dlc is not for casual players of pokemon um they know that it's not going to be 100 percent adoption rate for the dlcs right they only need like 30 percent of players to jump into those dlcs for it to be worth it though right and so it occurs to me Yesterday when I saw the or whatever day it was when I saw the Metroid news, it it comes on the heels of news about the latest uh, Mario Kart 8 wave as well with Birdo and some uh, I think at least one brand new course and a bunch of courses coming over from tour. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a pretty meaty update. And so I did a a video for the, the YouTube channel about upcoming games for the switch in March. And my big takeaway was this is a pretty quiet month for switch games. I mean, there, there are a few, but Mm -hmm. not that many. Um, Bayonetta is probably the, the biggest big one. Yeah. Yeah. Nintendo focused. That's pretty much. Yeah. But pretty much it. Despite that, they're having a huge month with this DLC stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, Huge Mario Kart. You don't really need a lot more than that. And that's kind of that's kind of nice, right? Like, yeah. you know, Nintendo can get you with just, hey, this game you already love is getting more content. Jump in and play it, right? It's slow right now. Who cares, right? Here's something to play in the meantime. And they're 
bite-sized prices too, which is the benefit that Nintendo has is they have so many games that they kind of just like strategically save and release and, you know, put out Mm -hmm. when they need them to be put out that they, they've kind of mastered the, the like calendar year, right? they've, They've mastered releasing a calendar year in ways that other companies haven't. You know, one thing that I find is that when there's a lull, in in my gaming catalog i usually have something on the switch that i gravitate to right either a dlc or an update or an nso game or you know just something that i i didn't get because it you know it came out at a time when other stuff was coming up but you know i find myself gravitating more to the switch than say my steam deck or my playstation or whatever um, when there's a lull um and I think that's a positive sign, right? That they they've kind of mastered the bite size releases, the surprise releases, the you know DLC timing and stuff like that. They're they're good at navigating the calendar in ways that other companies um, not so much, right? At least yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and even sometimes to Nintendo's detriment, right? Like how long had metroid prime remaster been sitting on the shelf before they decided to push it out right like we all knew about it rumors were that it had been done for over a year Uh, i don't know how you know accurate those are but and and fire emblem engaged too right like we saw right both of them were supposed to have been done and again you know i think we talked about this one or two episodes ago i see all of this as a positive right i think nintendo has realized the power of the short cycle right the short press cycle metroid prime 4 was a a sort of um eye-opener for them right um people have been very upset and vocal about that uh i don't know how much they actually care about all that noise but we hear the noise you know down here where we are and since a lot of that blowback, right? We've seen them a lot more strategic with, you know, surprise releases at directs, um, six month press cycles as opposed to one, Multi-year, two, three year yeah. long press cycles. You know, they 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 announce the game and they say, hey, it'll be out in six months. And in a lot of those cases, where a lot of companies are still delaying, 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 Nintendo's kind of hitting those targets in the last couple of years. You know, they're they're coming out of the the post-COVID sort of funk, right? Release funk, and they've kind of streamlined and and you know, um, they, carefully planned out, right? Yeah, their, their press cycles. They have the appearance of consistency in a way that yes, I think PlayStation and Xbox have struggled with. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? Because I know we, we both play Xbox yeah. and PlayStation games. And it, sometimes you go quite a while but without a first-party release. Yeah. All I right. didn't play much of my my PlayStation for... There were months last year where I didn't touch anything. And then God of War came out at the end of the year and I was back in it. But, like, um, I think it's important to, to note, right, that if you look at the number of games coming out each year for each of the, these consoles, like if you were to just lay them out and say, you know, how many games did Sony, Microsoft, or, or yeah, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo release um, you know, first party games this year? You know, obviously, Xbox had a down year last year, but I would say Sony and Nintendo were probably relatively close in, in exclusives, right? Yeah. But it felt, it felt like Nintendo just 
pummeled them in 22. And I think a lot of that is just they're a savvier um, company when it comes to release cycles and uh, things like building hype through surprise releases and short press windows, which have been working really well in their favor. Yeah, and and they have just mastered the uh, the directs too. You know the yeah, direct the shadow drop is stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we could go on about that for a while, but I know we've made pretty short lists here to end the episode. Yeah, about some of our favorite Pokemon in different categories. You want to introduce that, Matthew? Yeah. So again, this is our short little Nintendo Direct. It was gonna, you know, we tried to do this earlier in the week, so we thought, hey, let's also talk about just uh, a top three, right? We like doing lists here. We like top three lists. So today, what we're going to be doing is rating our top three Pokemon. It's not quite top three. It's more like five Pokemon if we break the list down to between four and five Pokemon, depending. Uh, and um, we've got three categories that we're working on. Right. The first is our number one aesthetic Pokemon, right? The Pokemon that speaks to us the most. And when we say aesthetic, it doesn't necessarily just mean looks and stuff. It's just which Pokemon do we gravitate towards most, right? Who's the one that we, you know, if he's in the game or if we have the option of bringing him over from, uh, you know, the bank, the home or whatever, we're, we're sticking them in. It's going to be in our team. It's going to be there, right? Who's our, our ride or die, right? Pokemon. Um, then we're doing our combat Pokemon, right? What's one Pokemon that we like? You know, our favorite Pokemon purely from a battle perspective, right? We're talking type advantages, we're talking move sets, that kind of stuff. And then lastly, evolutionary line. So this is where we actually have uh, anywhere between uh, one and what is it, eight, eight EVs now? I think there's eight evolutions of EVs at like the that. moment. So something between one and eight Pokemon for this one, depending <laughs> on which uh, evolutionary line we're talking about here. So we're going to go through these. Just we'll start with our aesthetic choice, our power choice, and then our evolutionary line. So, Justin, why don't you kick this off? Who is your top aesthetic Pokemon from all generations? You know, I really wanted to go with uh, War Turtle. I, I love the just the the design of War Turtle, but yes. that's an obvious pick for me. So I didn't go with that one. What I went with was Sableye. Oh, Sableye is a cool dude. Love the look, the little gem in his body Pokemon. and stuff. But one of the main reasons I went with him was um, whenever Sword and Shield um, was, you know, it already come out and we were in pretty heavy into the DLCs and I was trying to build a, a living Dex, which is like the worst thing I ever did. So um, I was trying to build a living Dex and I was also doing some shiny hunting around the same time. Yeah. And I really wanted a shiny Sableye. And it took me like an entire weekend of doing nothing but grinding to try yeah. to try to get the safe life. But I finally got him and he had decent stats. And now he comes with me, you know, to, to every game everywhere. going forward. Yeah. If, if, if I can bring him over from home, I will. He, he's just my little guy. He's my little guy. Plus, he's, he's got good. We're going to talk about combat um, later. But my Sableye, um, you know, physical attacks don't do much to him. Yeah he's he's pretty strong i don't know i'm 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 all in on sableye he's a cool dude i'm looking at him him right now because it's been a while since i've 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 peaked him i couldn't remember what generation he started from i know he's an older dude so third yeah. generation was it really um, third generation like third gen third wow. gen yeah and you know dark ghost always a good fun combo you know just a classic dude. He's been around for a long time. Looks super cool. I'm 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 here for it. Um, I like that you pivoted away from the obvious pick. I went with the obvious pick. I'm not, you know, I can't. I guess he's my dude right here. He sits on my oh. desk. He's 
chilling on his little beanbag. There it's he is. Bulbasaur. This dude, he's he's everywhere, man. This is my guy. Since Gen 1, since day one, he was the pick. He was the the, the little dude who uh, stuck around for a long time. There are uh, runs of Pokemon Red and Blue that I will do every now and then where I just won't evolve him, right? He'll just stick, just Bulbasaur the whole way through, right? We'll, we'll have a level 99 Bulbasaur and call it a day. He's just a cool dude. He's fun in the shows. He's fun in the games. He's a, a good design. He has a really good design. Right. Gen one as well, which is cool. I like I like Gen one. That's what I grew up with. Uh, those are my my guys. So that was an easy pick for me uh, on this one. I couldn't really uh, go elsewhere. I thought about it's funny because, you know, you talk to Sableye, you know, one that you kind of glommed on to later, much, much later talking sword and shield here i almost went with hatterene which is uh the little alien that hides oh, inside yeah. of a, a a big head of hair basically <laughs> love it great design very uh you know i like i like the 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 types right i like that type uh in particular i like uh you know goofy pokemon i like in particular psychic and fairy types i think they're both a lot of fun so that was a close second but um we're moving on now to our combat pokemon right our, our top battlers we'll, we'll do this uh, snake style so i'll start this one we're gonna go with a, a new one a new guy a scarlet violet edition from an old evolutionary line though and this is hmm. my boy annihilate right annihilate okay yep look i i was never really a big manky primate you know, fan in in Gen 1. It wasn't one of my favorite designs. Didn't really care for him all that much. Cool in the show, but not great in the games for me. But man, they killed it with the design of Annihilate. It really did. uh, In Scarlet Bat. He is not only uh, a fighting type, he's also a ghost type, right? Which is always fun. It's a good combo. Fighting ghost is really good. He's got a really strong move set. He doesn't have a ton of type disadvantages, which is great. You know, there's a few things that kind of give him a tough, a tough time. Um, but he also has a ton of advantages, keeps him relatively safe in most lineups, real good cleanup hitter in a lot of battles. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there are, you know, battles in that game, both, you know, uh, in the main main game, post game and uh, in online battles and stuff where I've had him pretty much run you know, the entire, uh, the entire fight, uh, no need to switch anyone out. So that's my boy. Uh, nowadays he's coming with me for every future generation that he's available for. I will be tagging annihilate in for, uh, you know, the killing blow on a lot of these. You know, I really like the idea of going back to gen one and, and adding on to the evolutionary lines there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool, it's a really cool, uh, addition. Something that I think in most recent games, they've done a really good job with, uh, keeping some, and, and some that I didn't care for. Like I said, you know, I wasn't a manky primate person. I, I never used them. I didn't like them. I'm not a big fighting type Pokemon person, but, uh, something about Nihilate. He just, you know, he's, he's kind of a top tier in my opinion. And again, I'm not a competitive Pokemon player. People listening to this might be like, he sucks. Uh, what are you talking about? But to me, he felt overpowered as, you know, as I'll get out throughout my time in Scarlet Violet. So that's, that's my guy for the competitive. Pokemon. What about you? What, who's your, who's your, your heavy, who, who you bring into your brawls? Well, it's funny you, you say heavy because uh, when I when I tell you who it is, you're not going to think they're heavy at all. So all I'm going right, back right. to I'm going back to Gen One. All right. Okay. Cool. Every opportunity I have to get this Pokemon in my party, I have him. 
He's right. the ultimate glass cannon. Uh-oh, where are we going with this? It's Kadabra or Alakazam. Da- oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's it's a good just one. so hard to get yeah. Alakazam without the trade. But uh, right. Kadabra, you know, it's psychic type. His speed's pretty high. His special attack is awesome. If mm-hmm. you just, you know, have Abra in your party and eventually get him to, to evolve and, and let him grow a little bit, um, he's just so fast. He can take out yeah. in one shot a lot of, uh, uh, at least, you know, NPCs in the game. No yeah. problem. He can't take a hit, though. You know, total glass no. cannon. But he's he's so quick that it usually other Pokemon don't get a chance to hit him anyway. I think a competitor for best evolutionary line too, I, I would say. Um, for sure. I like them. They, they're a good, they're a good looking group of guys over there. Um, you know, the more spoons, the merrier, right? Yeah, let's, let's, get, right. let's get them in there. There is no spoon. I just don't like that you have to <laughs> trade to um, evolve. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. That's, that's a bad mechanic. It's part of the, you know, my, my, the reason, you know, Gengar and, and, his haunter and yeah here right haunter and them aren't aren't on here because you know link cable it's yeah yeah i don't know bad memories from childhood it's a <laughs> rough time when you had to actually link up with somebody on the schoolyard yeah um, for sure and it never worked exactly yeah. the way it was supposed to so no all right so that brings us to pick three which is our top evolutionary line and uh since we're doing snake style it's back to you what are we talking about? I mean, we got a lot of strong evolutionary lines. We got some two evolutionary lines, some three evolutionary lines. Where are you landing on this? All right. I went with the most boring pick, but somebody had right. to say it, right? Oh, okay. It's, all right. It's Curious. the top evolutionary line of all. It's the EV line. What are you talking? Okay. It's the well, EV yeah. Line. Yeah. It, it is going any direction. Yeah. I think, you know, aesthetically, combat wise, Type advantage, all of that, right? You you pretty much can pick your poison with the EV evolutions, if you will. Yeah. Right? Not to mention, Eevee got their own game, right? Pokemon Eevee, let's go, right? So that's right. It's a it's a classic. It's been around for a long time. I, you know, when we talk about Gen One Pokemon that get added on to, um, I think this is like the the er example of this, right? It's the one that just every now and then, hey, let's throw in another another evolution. Anytime a new type comes out. Hey, let's toss one into the Eevee line. You know, I'm still waiting for the the fighting type Eevee, right? We've got oh yeah, the, the, right. We don't have a fighting type yet. We also don't have yeah. a, a flying type. Let's get a flying type Eevee in there. Uh, I bet know, they're cooking them uh, up right a now. Steel, give me oh, a steel. A steel EV. would be a good one. You know, I I love uh, Vaporeon. Vaporeon, yeah, Vaporeon. Vaporeon. As a water type, I've I just always gravitated towards that one with the original line. But lately, I think in Sword and Shield, Sylveon. I think that was is a that the fairy. That's the fairy type, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the fairy yep. type. Sylveon, Super Sylveon strong. is my favorite as well. I think I, we talked about this before as well. Fairy types are kind of like if I was picking just like a Pokemon type, that's number one, right? Uh, that I'm going to. I think they've got the most interesting Pokemon. They're also a really strong type, right? They're yeah. incredibly powerful. Great attacks to to the point of being almost broken in some uh, versions of the game, but. I think, yeah, I think that's the really cool thing about Eevees is there's something for everybody in there. And they're just, it's just a nice looking Pokemon. Right? People that don't yeah. know Pokemon know Eevee, which is, I think, a, a benefit as well. Yeah, and all the, the evolutions in the line, they all have great designs. Like, there's not a single yeah. stinker in the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think well, you're, I think it's a good, good pick. What about you? All right. So, 
I struggled with this one because, you know, the obvious pick would have just been, let's double off on my first pick and go with Bulbasaur and that, but we're not going to do that. The second, you know, one is obviously Trubbish, right? We got we to talk about it. the trash bag that turns into a giant trash bag. It just gets fuller. It's beautiful. Uh, just Garbagor and Trubbish. Let's, let's do it. I'm waiting until it eventually becomes a dumpster. Uh, oh, God, a, I a hope so. Game. Just a landfill, just a full on yeah. landfill. Um, let's do it, man. Get more, more, more Trubbish. But uh, no, we're going with with my my gooey boys. We're going with the Gumi, Sligu, and Gudra. I don't right? like these. I don't are, like these. Oh, uh, they're the best. What do you? T- how do you not like? I don't know. Gumi? I just hate them. I just hate them. Just it's just a little slime ball that turns into a little snotty dragon that turns into just the biggest snottiest dragon you've ever seen. It's beautiful. I think it's beautiful the Pokemon. I think it's the snot. I don't like the snot. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, again, these are just the goofiest looking Pokemon. I like that they just got like acid snot hanging from them. I like dragon types. I think they're fun. These designs are just, I mean, man, they're they're peak Pokemon design. Just take a, a you know one idea. All right, what would happen if we turned snot into a dragon and just run with it, right? Just go crazy with it. Started out as a little glob of snot, evolve it into the the goofiest dragon you've ever seen. Um, I also really like the Hisui. His, I'm gonna mess up that, but the uh, the Hisui uh, dual type, the Steel Dragon version, right? I like the I like any Pokemon that gets a new a regional variant down the road, which is pretty cool. This one's yeah. got a, a pretty slick one. I used to have like the regional, tail on it, basically. I used to hate the regional variants, but I'm really into them now. Yeah, I mean, there's some bad ones. There's some. The, I think some of the early was it was it was Alola the first region where they started doing those. I think so because that the, the Rata, first region was Rata the first one that had a. Variant? I mean, I know I Raichu think, was one of the earliest as well. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I didn't care for most of. The, I know. I remember Execute, right? Had, oh, that's uh, right. The big like a, uh, a the palm version. tree. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't really care for most of those, um, but I think they've improved, uh, you know, each generation. And I think that, you know, most of the Scarlet Violet ones are actually quite nice. Um, pretty cool looking. So I'm, you know, I'm into that again. I think uh, a dragon type used to be the king of the, uh, of the roost for a while there until they got kind of bodied by fairy types uh, down the road. But just a good solid all around Pokemon that, you know, looks good, fights good and has a, a fun evolutionary line with each each because that's kind of the big thing, right? Like the problem I have with a lot of evolutionary lines in Pokemon is I like two of the three. You know, it, I again, I, you know, the most recent game, I could not, you know, Meowskarata is fine. Dude, they're all bad, but they're all bad. All the all the stage three evolutions of the starters pretty terrible i don't you know and this is going to sound you know blasphemous coming from me i don't really like uh i don't really like venusaur i'm not i'm not not digging him right i didn't like i'm not yeah really it's just bulbasaur there's a reason i don't evolve him very often right you know so you know this is something where I, you know, for me, it's hard to pick an evolution line because most of them I bounce off either at the middle or the last evolution, right? I think uh, Gumi is one of the ones where it's just I like all three, right? I'd keep all three on my team if I could. So um, that's kind of a big one for me. I think the Eevee's great pick there, right? Again, there's not a, a, a you know a, a bad one in the bunch as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's hard to mess up that that design, but you know, I, I mean that wraps it for us, right? We just that's wanted it. to have a little chat about our you know our top three ish Pokemon. 
kind of yeah, keep th- this a little bit, you know, yeah, more broadly Pokemon focused to get us back on topic. But, uh, you know, also, like I said, optimistic about the future of the franchise. I think the slowdown in content drip, you know, content release is good. Um, I'm glad we didn't hear about the next big game. Um, that sleep was the most exciting thing that came out of that as far as like actual games go um, or the DLCs, right? I think the yeah. DLCs are probably the most exciting, but I mean, do we got anything else to talk about from the direct? Anything else you want to cover before we uh, hit our recommendations of the week? No, just want to, you know, double down on what you said about being glad that there wasn't another game because in our review of Scarlet and Violet, we talked about this game coming out a year too early. Mm -hmm. And if they're taking more time to put some polish on this thing or whatever the next thing is, you know, let's do it. Plus, I feel like I needed a break from Pokemon. You know, I was so into it uh, early in the Switch's life cycle, um, even with Sword and Shield. Like, I was super, super into it. I like the Let's Go games. Um, and somewhere around the Diamond and Pearl remakes, I just started to burn out. And then by the time I got to Arceus and then definitely Scarlet and Violet, I was burnt out. So I'm I'm yeah. happy to see that we've got a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you there. All right, so why don't we hit our game recommendations of the week to get us out of here to wrap this episode up. Justin, what have you been playing? What are you excited to recommend to people or to talk about here at the end of the episode? You know, I can't I, I can't have a full-throated uh, recommendation of this game, but I've been enjoying Tales of Symphonia on the Switch, oh, yeah. uh, the yeah. recent release. So it's not the greatest version of that game in the world. Um, maybe mm-hmm. if you've never played some of the other versions, you won't notice that much, but um, it's got some long loading times. Um, some of the graphics mm-hmm. are a little rough, but it's just yeah. such a solid trails game. Um, you know, if you're into RPGs, um, especially the action RPG um, genre, I think it's a great mm-hmm. pickup. The combat for me in the Trails games, those early Trails games anyway. I mean the Tales Tales games? Yes, Tails games. Sorry, not Trails. I've got Trails of... <laughs> you're going uh, to get Trails fans uh, real mad at you if you keep I know. The, messing that one up. I know. I know. Or, I've got the new Trails game stuck in my head. What's what's that one that's coming out? Uh, uh, Zero or Azure? I forget yeah, which one Azure. It, it is. Yeah. Sorry. Tales. Tales of Symphonia. You're right. It's been a long day, guys. Anyway, so if, if you've never played before, it plays like a, like a typical... JRPG, except when you go into battle, it's almost like a like a fighting game, like a really basic mm-hmm. fighting yeah. game. And I think that's just a really unique premise, and it keeps things interesting for me. And it's it's a little different from some of the turn based stuff that you know you and I typically play a lot of. Yeah, yeah, I love the Tales series. Um, I'm a big fan. I've played most of them. Most of them I've beaten. A handful I've I've only you know put sunk a handful of hours in, but. Symphonia is probably my fondest memory of that series. You know, oh, I really wow, loved really? Arise. I really loved Arise last year. I really love Berseria. I think that uh, even you know lesser known ones like the Graces games and and all of those are great. Uh, I know people who are really big fans of Vesperia. If you've never played, just kind of listing games. That, you know, again, if you want to check out the series, if you're interested in it, these are ones that a lot of people like. Um, they all play a little bit too. differently. Yeah, yeah. I think that one was Xbox exclusive when it first launched, which is interesting. I think you're right. But Symphonia was one of the first GameCube games I owned. And I played that game four or five times back oh, wow. uh, when I had the GameCube because I didn't have a lot of games 
for the GameCube. I only had a handful when I when I owned the GameCube because I was kind of in like a gaming lull in my life at that point um, for various reasons. Uh, and and so I, I had a small library that I just revisited frequently. And Symphonia was one of those games that, you know, it was long enough and interesting enough to me that I enjoyed the gameplay enough that I played it multiple times and it really stuck with me. So I haven't played it in maybe over a decade at this point but uh, a really good solid series a really good game in that series so uh, it is a bummer i have heard some performance issues and bummers about typical port uh, remaster jank that we've seen a lot in recent years but yeah it's definitely not good unplayable. recommendation it's not unplayable yeah. don't let that put you off especially if you've never played it before but uh for for yeah. you matthew maybe it'll be a little disappointing since you're so f- familiar with that game but you then, know, yeah, maybe it's just could be a another, fun revisit. It's it's another great game, another great RPG on the Switch, which just proves that the the Switch has become like almost the ultimate RPG machine yeah. at this point. Yeah. Look, obviously, if you haven't played Metroid Prime Remastered yet, go play it. Um, it rules. It's a fantastic remaster. I'm working on a review, slow going, because you know I'm still learning video editing. Justin's the master of it already. I'm terrible at it, so I'm gonna have a review out sometime in the next week or two. I'll get something uh, together and throw that up uh, on our YouTube channel, so you can hear our thoughts on the the remaster. But in the meantime, this will be our episode for next week, I believe. Um, Maybe a week or two from now, but uh, we're gonna be talking about a little gem of a game that just came out called Octopath Traveler 2. Now, if you've heard me talk about the first game in the franchise, I know it's a divisive game. I know that a lot of people were not fans of the eight stories that didn't seem to intersect in any way, shape, or form, and the little grindy nature of uh, you know, the, the gameplay between chapters. I will say that the second game still has eight unique stories, though there are a few things like additional skit, like skits, like Tales, series does um, where you get skits between the characters in your party that are like context based you know certain characters in your party at certain points in certain locations will activate skits that you can read and they'll interact with each other to build some of that um, it's also got a few side stories where two characters go together on an adventure and they learn more about each other and then there is very cool yeah and there's some some late game stuff that pulls a lot of threads together. I think that the second game improves on everything that the first game does, fixes a lot of the flaws and issues that people had with the first game, and without going into too much to you know jump on our our uh, next episode, um, I give it a full throated recommendation. Um, if you like uh, turn based uh, RPGs with uh, interesting battle systems. I can't recommend it strongly enough. So uh, we'll talk more about why that is uh, on our next episode. We'll see if Justin feels the same. Uh, We may have a guest on for that episode as well to chat with us. So hopefully we'll have a a couple extra voices. So it's not just me glowing for an hour about that game. But um, for now, I will say uh, if you're peripherally interested in it, if the first game you liked, but maybe bounced off for various reasons, I would say give the second one a shot. Um, It's it's. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. It's a it's it's something that I will talk a lot more about. I think as the year goes on. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, again, we'll get into more of this next week. But if you didn't play the first one, I don't think there's any reason to just jump in with the second one. Yeah, you don't, does, need to. don't need it to. It does everything that the first one does better. Um, the second yep. one is a great place to jump in. There are some very minor, um, like world 
building right stuff that feels similar but these are standalone experiences for all intents and purposes so you are good to to dive right in no no need to play the mobile game no need to play the original game though i will say the mobile game that came in between the first and second game um is a really phenomenal mobile game uh, if you're into that if you like that kind of stuff it's it's quite good it fixes a lot of stuff that the first game uh has issues with and it, it's a gotcha game so if you're not into that if you don't like drawing characters and all that stuff i get it don't you know don't do it but i've not found the need to pull the gotcha much in that i haven't spent a dime on it and it's actually really well written has a bunch of really good music from the amazing uh yesterday uh oh gosh what is his last name I don't want to mess this up, so give me a second here, um, because the composer for Octopath Traveler, uh, Yasunori uh, Nishiki. Um, oh right, he is. He's mostly known, I think, for Octopath Traveler um, and some B Many games. Uh, he did a killer soundtrack in the first game, and I think the second game might step that up even uh, a little bit more. So um, the mobile game has uh, some really good music as well. So uh, check it out. I mean, it's a, it's worth it's worth the time if you're into it. All right. More to come. More to come. So anyways, guys, thanks for watching, listening. Thanks for subscribing. Matthew, thanks for being here, dude. And we'll be yeah, back man. in your feeds next week.